0: If it's your first time here, my name is Craig. I'm part of the team here, and it's really, really cool to have you with us. And last week, we started a series called Follow. And what does it really mean to follow Jesus? And I think that we have a whole lot of wrong thinking around what it means to follow Jesus. And Jesus makes it pretty simple. In fact, we found out last week that there's two prerequisites to following Jesus. First of all, you've got to be a sinner. If you're not a sinner, then you can't follow Jesus, because Jesus came... For sinners, Jesus came for the sick, not for the healthy. And then the other thing was is that it's actually okay to have unbelief. It's actually okay to have questions and doubts and and, and stuff. Jesus is okay about that because what he basically says is just come follow me. Come follow me, bring your sin, bring your doubts, bring your concerns, bring your questions, bring your unbelief. Just come follow me and in following me you'll start to see all the answers to all of your questions. In fact he did that with Matthew the tax collector. We found out that tax collectors last week are like the, they're, they're lower than used car salesmen. They're just like the they're worse than drug dealers to your children. They were just the the absolute bottom of the pit when it came to the Jewish society yet Jesus says to Matthew come follow me didn't tell him to change his life didn't tell him he needs to do this or he needs to do that he just said Matthew come follow me because we understand in following Jesus it's not that we have to get ourselves right before we come he says just come follow me and then you'll become right And that's the thing that I love about God because every other religion in the world will tell you you need to do this, this, this and this and this and then you can follow. But Jesus says you don't have to do anything, just come follow. You don't even have to believe at first. The disciples took two years of following Jesus before they turned around and said you are the son of God. So following Jesus is not about a list of rules and regulations but following Jesus is about relationship. But I suppose my question this morning that I want to answer to you answer to you is if I choose to follow Jesus, what's the payoff? Yeah? Come on, I mean, it's just a reality. What's the payoff if I follow Jesus? If I choose to follow Jesus, what is the payoff? What's the end goal? What's the end game? What's the payoff in following Jesus? Well, the first thing that I'm here to tell you this morning, that the payoff of following Jesus is not that you'll become a better person. You're looking at me strangely. It's not that you'll become a better person. Now, following Jesus, you will become a better person, but Jesus never once said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or any of the Gospels, that if you come follow me, the end goal is you'll become a better person. You'll become a better person as a result of following Jesus, but Jesus' message in the Gospels was not, come follow me and you'll be a better person, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like I'm very much a better person following Jesus, yes? Yes? Oh, just me this morning. Okay, awesome. The other thing that we think the payoff to following Jesus is is that we'll go to heaven. Well, Jesus actually doesn't even really talk about heaven when it comes to the Gospels. What he does talk about is the kingdom of heaven. And he talks about the kingdom of God. But he very rarely ever talks about heaven. We think that following Jesus, the end goal is, is we go to heaven. Now, don't get me wrong, you will go to heaven. But that's not what Jesus taught was the end goal of following Jesus. He did not say, if you follow me, you'll be a better person. If you follow me, you'll go to heaven. Those are byproducts of following Jesus. There is other things that Jesus has actually said, and we're gonna find it in a minute, about what Jesus said is the end goal when we follow him. The other thing that sometimes we think in following Jesus or we've been taught is that if we follow Jesus, then we have a life pain-free and problem-free. But Jesus has never, ever said that. I'd love to do a series called I Never Said That. All the things that people say that Jesus said that he never, ever said. But he never said that you'd have a problem-free, pain-free life. And if you ever have somebody say to you, hey, if you follow these three simple steps or pray this prayer or do this thing, then everything will Go your way. Quote these scriptures and I guarantee that the outcome will be exactly what you want it to be. Friend, if anybody ever says that to you, that is not Christianity. That is magic. That is magic. You know, those emails that come around. If you forward this on to 30 people in the next 30 minutes, God will do a miracle. What a load of... In fact, if you're a Christian that sends those around, please stop. Because that's not God. That's magic. Alright, there's just a load of bull. And the problem with those things sometimes is that sometimes magic works. Like, I'll give you an example. If I said to you this morning, if you're looking for a job, what I want you to do is go get up tomorrow morning, get dressed like you're going to the job that you want to go to, stand at your front door, open your front door and read, turn to the book of Job, because it's a job, and read the first two chapters and you'll get a job. Now, The crazy thing is, is those that needed a job, some of them would do that, and you know what, some of you could get a job this week, but that's the problem with magic, is sometimes it works, and then we turn around and we think it works all the time. Are you with me this morning? And the reality is, if a bunch of you needed jobs, did that, maybe one of you would get a job this week, but it's got nothing to do with you getting dressed, standing at the door and reading the first two chapters of Job. It's just called that you got a job this week. And so sometimes when it comes to our Christian life, we sometimes do this thing where we follow these three steps, pray these certain prayers, quote these certain scriptures because it's worked for me before in the past so that's the key for it to work for me now in the present and the future. But friend, that's called magic, not Christianity because what God did for you then may not be what God wants to do for you now or in time to come. Are you with me? You start following formulas, we start getting out of relationship. Come on, Jesus didn't come to be our magician to give us a pain-free, problem-free life. That's not his promise. (laughs) You're like, man, this is really depressing so far. So here's my question then, if those things are true, that God did not come to make me a better person and God did not come so that I could come to go to heaven and God did not come so that I could have a problem-free, pain-free life, I'm not saying that those things won't happen for you as you follow him, but that was not God's end goal. So what was Jesus' end goal? What was the end goal? What's the big thing when it comes to following Jesus? What does it end up being? Well, we're gonna have a look at a moment at a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Now, I'm not saying that what he's saying to his disciples is going to happen to you or happen to me, but in the middle of this conversation, I believe God shares, Jesus shares the key goal, the end goal when it comes to following Jesus where we end up. How many people wanna know where you end up following Jesus? Uh, five people. How many people wanna know where you end up if you follow Jesus? All right, because you should wanna know where you end up, otherwise why are you following him? If I'm following him, I wanna know where I'm gonna end up. <laughs> I'm not just following him because I'm like, oh, that's what my parents did and that's what everybody says I should do. I'm following him because there's an end goal in my life. I wanna know what the end goal is. I wanna know where I end up. I wanna know, you know, nobody just jumps in the car and drive anywhere, although some people probably do, but there is a destination that you're trying to get to and Jesus shares in this conversation the end goal where Jesus is trying to get us to and it starts in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 to 20. And he says this to his disciples. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. I don't know about you, but if I'm getting arrested, I'm not really thinking about what I'm going to say. (laughs) Can can you imagine the disciples in this moment? First of all, you're going to be handed over to be flogged. Uh, What? And and then when you get arrested, don't worry about what you're going to say. What I am going to say when I'm arrested is the last thing on my mind. (laughs) Yeah? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be sitting there in the cell going, now, what am I going to say? How am I going to word this? I'm just, I'd be freaking out. Maybe I'm the only one in this place. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say. Why? Is somebody going to slip me a piece of paper through the, what, what, what are you going on about? For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you and so if I'm a disciple now I'm like okay so so what you're saying is you're telling me that in amongst the flogging in amongst the arresting in amongst the imprisonment that God the Father is going to be with me in the middle of all of that it, it, that's really what you're saying Jesus yeah and Jesus is like yes that is what I'm saying my response would be, well, if he's there in the mix of all that, why doesn't he just unarrest me and unflog me? If he's there, why doesn't he do those things? I mean, this, this, is, this is crazy. I'm sending you out, and this is what's going to happen. Don't worry about what you're going to say, because at the time when all of this is going on, when they're whipping your back, I'll give you something to say. I don't want something to say. I want the flogging to stop and the imprisonment to end. Am I the only one that thinks like that this morning? And then he goes on and he says, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by everyone because of me. I mean, I don't know about you, but Jesus lists all this stuff, flogging, arrestment, imprisonment, my kids rebelling and having me killed. Some parents feel like that today. They're trying to kill you. Or at least put you in a loony bin. All this bad stuff is going to happen. He lists all this bad stuff that is going to happen. And then Jesus says, the key thing that you and I need to understand is the end goal in following Jesus. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. But, 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 but Jesus, we, we're going to be arrested. Yeah, I know. But when you are, don't be afraid. But, but, but Jesus, we, we, we're going to be flogged. Yeah, I know. But when you are, don't be afraid. When you go through all sorts of stuff, when you go through all of this stuff, don't be afraid. The end goal in following Jesus is you can go for the stuff and not be afraid. To not be afraid. It goes on in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 10 it says, "Do not be afraid of those who will kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell." And so Jesus introduces something into the conversation that he actually, if you read the Gospels, he goes back to over and over and over and over again. And the good news is for us is that his disciples didn't really get this until right at the end. They didn't really understand what Jesus was saying until Jesus had actually gone. But Jesus is telling them and he's telling us that you can be in very difficult circumstances, and the end goal is, is that he can take you through those to a place where you trust him so much that you refuse to allow the fear to take control of you. When you're flogged, when you're arrested, when you're imprisoned, when you're turned on, when people say all sorts of things about you that aren't fair, when people do all sorts of things, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of those gonna affect your body. Be more concerned about the one who holds your soul in his hand. You see, so often we worry so much about this life and fail to understand it's the next life that really matters. You know, uh, you can worry about whether you're gonna have a house of your own, you can worry about whether you have enough money and retirement, all those sorts of things. But can I say this to you this morning? The Bible says this, that all those things are wood, hail and stubble. I'm not saying don't want them. I'm not saying don't go after them. But what I'm trying to say to you this morning is all this stuff that goes on that we worry about, the flogging, the arresting, the people saying things, all that sort of stuff, that's just to destroy the body. You can live at a place where Jesus takes you when you follow him, that your soul is always good. That there's not a fear, there's not an angst, there's not a concern. It goes on in verse 29, and it says, "This are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your Father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So, don't be afraid." You are worth more than sparrows. I don't know how many times I have heard pastors, including myself, preachers say, don't worry, God knows how many hairs you have on your head. He knows you so well. But when we put it into the context of the story, Jesus is saying, hey, when you go for all this hard stuff and it feels like your world is falling apart because your body is being beaten, remember, He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows whenever a sparrow dies. And aren't you worth so much more than sparrows? Do you not think I know what is happening and what is going on? He's saying, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Because you are worth so much more than sparrows. What Jesus does is he takes his followers to a place where our faith in God is so big and it's so strong. He takes us to a place where we're so secure in our Father's love that even in the midst of circumstances where it feels like our God has forgotten us, we can hear Him whisper, Do not be afraid. I am with you. That is the end goal of what Jesus came for because He constantly said it over and over again in the gospels, do not be afraid, I am with you. Why is your lack of unbelief? I am with you in the middle of the storm. What's wrong with you disciples? I am with you. The goal of Jesus is to get us to a place where we understand that no matter what is going on, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, no matter how much my body is getting beaten, my soul that lives forever, my spirit that lives forever is in His Hands And you may beat me and you may arrest me, but I don't need to be afraid because my God is with me. Faith like that just goes bigger and beyond. The message of Jesus was not, don't be afraid. The message of Jesus was, it was not, I won't let bad things happen. The, The message of Jesus was, don't be afraid when bad things happen. Don't be afraid when bad things happen, because what is that? That's a confidence in God. See, when we let fear overwhelm us is when our confidence is in our ability or in our circumstance or our situation. And so therefore, we start to doubt and we start to have unbelief. But when we understand, don't be afraid, you're worth more than sparrows, I'm with you, then there's this godly confidence that comes in the midst of crazy circumstances and that's when people go, how are you so good when your life is going so badly? Because I don't have to be afraid. Because the end goal of my God and my life is not that I become a better person, although that'll happen. It's not that I'll go to heaven, although that will happen if I follow him. It's not that I'll live a pain-free, problem-free life, although God will step in to my pain and heal my pain and help me out of my difficulties. But the goal of my God and life of following Jesus is that no matter what comes my way, I do not have to be afraid. Because my God is with me. confidence that is so big, so sure of God's presence, that is so sure of God's love, that is so sure of God's protection, a faith that is so big that it overwhelms and it overshadows all of our fears, a confidence that is so huge in God. Jesus wants to take us to a place where our confidence in Him is so great that when we wake up in the morning, we go, wow, what am I going to do today today? For Jesus. What am I going to do today? Because I don't know about you, but I wake up in the morning if I'm being honest and I think about all these things I'd like to do for Jesus until the fear kicks in. Until the worry kicks in. Until how we how am I going to pay for that? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? What if what if nobody what if nobody comes? What if and we start all of a sudden shrinking in our confidence in him? And it's like, whoa, hold on, Cray. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I am with you. What would it look like if you were absolutely confident so much in God that he could protect you? That he could be with you? What would you do? How would we live our lives? If we lived our lives in such a way that we know that God can protect my soul and in spite of what people or someone might do to my body, I have this absolute confidence that my God is with me. Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, that is where I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you to a place not of denial, not of hocus pocus, do these three steps and God will come through for you, not figuring out some sort of formula. We love formulas, we, love, we want God to give us, just give me the five steps that I need to do for this to happen. You know what, I've, I've, I've realized that when it comes to relationship, be it parenting as a dad or be it a husband to my wife, formulas don't work. Relationship does. But I want my God to take me to a place where you and I are so confident in Jesus and in the Father that even in the midst of circumstances that should terrify me. I just hear his whisper that says, don't be afraid. That we would not be afraid. You know, I I think it'll be an easier sell for Jesus to turn around and say, if you follow me, I'll make you a better person. (laughs) He doesn't want to be a better person. In fact, if he says, if you follow me, you'll always be lean, mean, fighting machine and you'll have abs, I would be like, bring it on, Jesus, I'm following you. I mean, who wants to follow Buddha? I mean, that's. (laughs) You know, going to heaven sounds pretty good to me too. I don't know about you, but it sounds pretty good. (laughs) Having a pain-free, problem-free life, that sounds even better. But that's not what he offers. What he offers is you don't need to fear no matter what is going on, because I'm with you because I'm with you. So why, why would that be the end game? Because surely it's easier to get people to follow you if there's gonna be better people. Surely it's easier to get people to follow you if you promise them heaven. Surely it's easier to get people to follow you if you just give them a formula of how life works. Surely that would be easier. But the problem with that is, is this, is that when we follow him and we get to the end goal, these two things won't happen any other way than the way that Jesus is saying. And the first thing is this, that that kind of overwhelming faith, where we just trust God, where we are not afraid no matter what is going on, that kind of overwhelming faith honors God. No other kind can. You, you, you living better, you, you going to heaven doesn't bring the honor to Him. That standing there in the midst of your difficulties and your circumstances, going, I mean, I'm not afraid because I know my God is with me. It brings incredible honor you know, I overheard some kids talking about their dad one day, not my kids, I wish it was my kids, but I heard some kids talking about their dad one day and their family was going through some really difficult, difficult situation and, and I heard these kids say this, I don't care what is going on, I trust dad. I believe in dad. My dad can be trusted. We will, if dad says we will get through this as a family, we will get through this as a family. I don't know about you, but when I heard that, I just thought, wow, what a phenomenal dad to start with. But what great kids as well, to trust their dad. You see, when we're going through stuff that is just so huge that we can stand there and go, you know what, I, don't, I know the doctors said 18 months. I know the doctors said, get your affairs in order. I know the doctor said that, but I'm just not afraid because I know my God and my God can heal me. And if he doesn't heal me in this life, he'll heal me in the one to come. And I'm always on the winning side. So it doesn't matter what comes my way. I will not be afraid. And you stand and you share that and you, you see that with people. You see it when they go through difficult times and they go, you know what? I just know that God is with me and God is still on the throne and and, and even though I don't understand, you know, five years ago when my brother passed away, even though I don't understand why God took him, I still know that God's on the throne. And I know because of my response to that, because of my heart towards God and not getting bitter, but trusting him, it allowed me opportunity to share Christ with a whole lot of friends of mine who don't know Christ because they all reach out to you and they say, hey man, sorry about your brother. If you wanna catch up, you know, I'd love to catch up. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to catch up. And then they ask me, how come you're doing so well? Because of Jesus. That kind of faith, I believe, just honours God in such a way that nothing else honours Him. When you turn around and we honour God with that big, out-of-the-box kind of faith, because when people see it, they just go, well, that has to be God, because that doesn't make logical human sense. You see, without going through this stuff and getting to this place where Jesus takes us, where we say, I will not be afraid because my God is with me. We can't have that kind of overwhelming faith that people go, oh my gosh, there has to be God. The second thing that that kind of faith does, it's the only kind of faith that frees you to love people you don't wanna love. I know it's getting quiet now in the room. You know, I mean, I, I know Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for them, but I don't know about you, I don't even pray for my friends sometimes, let alone my enemies. <laughs> don't need to be so serious this morning. I've just been honest. But that, that thought of praying for my enemies, oh yeah, I'll pray for them, all right, that a bus hits them on the motorway. <laughs> How do you pray for your enemies? How do you bless those that cursed you? How, Jesus says that we do this stuff that this is what we should do. How, how do you do that? I mean, how do, you, how do you pray for those that persecute you, for those that have power over you, for those that could hurt you? How, how do you? how do you love those people? How do you pray for those people? Well, because you get to a place in God that you're not afraid. No matter what someone can do to me, he holds my soul. No matter what comes my way, he holds my soul. And my faith in God is tied to the fact that as I love them, as I am there for them, as, as you go on and, and honor God in that situation that I know I'm okay, I don't need to be afraid that God is with me, I have more concern about the one who controls my soul than the one who can attack my body. And the crazy thing is, is when we get to that place where no matter what anybody does to me, I'm okay, I'm not afraid, because my God is with me, then what happens is that your love for God, your trust in God, creates parameters in your life that are so big and so broad that you're able to love the people that hate you. In 1 John 4.18, it says, for there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out or drives out fear. See, when we fear of what people can do to you, fear always comes. But when we understand that God is with us and that God is for us, because perfect love, it's talking about Jesus, do not be afraid, he is with me, it drives out the fear, and then all of a sudden your capacity to love becomes so broad, so be. So huge because you don't fear what man can do unto me because I know that my God is with me. You see, fear and love are incompatible. Perfect love dries out fear. Fear and love can't exist in the same place. Jesus came to love the whole world and he wants us to love the whole world. And the only way to love the whole world is to get rid of our fear of man and the fear of the things that people can do to hurt us and understand that Jesus is with me. Do not be afraid. So Jesus says, I'm gonna teach you how not to be afraid. That is the end goal of following Jesus as he teaches us how to live a life where we don't have fear, where we don't have fear. Fear. You see, the Apostle Paul was was just like us, really. The Apostle Paul never got to hang out with Jesus. The disciples did, but the Apostle Paul didn't. The Apostle Paul, everything that he learned about Jesus was taught to him by somebody else, because the Apostle Paul never had a personal relationship with Jesus, as in in his circumference, as in one-on-one, within, you know, he's like us. He had his relationship with God through prayer and a word and Meeting together and hearing what people would say that Jesus taught. And Paul, while he's in prison, writes this to the Romans. And it's a great scripture and we all know it. And it's Romans 8.28. Can anyone tell me what it says? And we know that. Alright, let's try that again, shall we? On the count of three. One, two, three. And we know that. And we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. I love that. And we know it's not, and we hope, and we cross our fingers, and oh, really hope so. I hope I've been good enough this week. I hope it's okay. I hope, I hope. No, no, no. It's not, we hope. It's not, I got my fingers crossed. It's not that I've read enough and prayed enough this week. No, no, no. Paul says, and we know. We know because we've experienced this. We know because we know our God is a good God and He's not a bad God. He's not a God that leaves us or forsakes us, but He's always with us. And even though the circumstance may seem like it's overwhelming us, we know that in all those things, And everything and all those circumstances and all the situation and all the stuff that is going on and all that bad stuff, we know, we know that he works it for good. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I don't know about you, but I love God and I know I'm called according to his purpose. So that means no matter what my circumstances, I should know, don't fear, I'm with you. I can make this work for your good. There is a faith in God that is so big, that is so broad, that it overwhelms all fear. And I believe that is where Jesus wants to lead us. Because in Romans 8:35 it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or let me add some for you, or joblessness, or prodigal children, or diminishing health, or unfaithful spouse, or dishonest boss, or National Party, Labour Party, New Zealand First Party, Greens Party. What can separate you from the love of God? Can all of these circumstances, all this bad stuff, can the government separate you from God's love? No. Oh, but, but Craig, you, you gotta understand, you know, like, like um, you know, I'm just scared to death at the moment about what's happening around the world. I mean, have you seen the news and you see what's happening in the US and, 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 and Donald Trump? And, blah, 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 blah. and I see all these Christians just going ballistic. You know what you're doing? You're frightening your children. You know, stop it, man. Jesus said, do not be afraid. Stop it. You're so fearful of what somebody can do. He's in control. He's in control. Not the government, not Donald Trump, not some psycho out of North Korea. Jesus is in control. And he says, when things look crazy, when things look like, oh my gosh, and you're overwhelmed, do not fear. And so all these One's my age, 40 and over, and we get it all freaked out, but you'll stop it. You're causing your kids to fear their future. Whereas my Bible says that God has a pleasing future. I know the plans I have for you, plans for hope, plans for a great future. We're gonna stop scaring our kids and start teaching them the Word of God, which says that if God is for me, who can be against me? Well, I know some of you don't like what I just said then because I went into a party political broadcast, but. But I will say this about the elections. I'm not gonna tell you who to vote for, but I'll say this. There are three things that the scripture teaches us that we should do. First of all, that we should pray. If you haven't prayed about who to vote for, don't even think about voting. Two, do your research. It's about policies, not personalities. And it's about policies that line up with his word, not your personal preference. And then make sure you vote. That's all I have to say about that. But Jesus, but but Craig, this and that, all this crazy stuff is happening in the world, but Jesus says, hey, don't fear. Don't fear. Fear not. Fear not. But, 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 But no, Jesus says, fear not. I've read the end of the book. I know who wins. Fear not. Well, well, Craig, I'd love to be in a place where my faith is so big. It overwhelms everything, but, but I'm just not there yet. You know what? Neither am I. It's okay if you're not there yet. That's why he invites us to follow him. Come follow me, and I'll get you there. I'll take you there. Because in doing so, in following him, our faith begins to grow and expand as you go through all sorts of circumstances and situations. I know and you know that if you look back in your life at the stuff that you've gone through, your faith grows through every difficulty. It grows through every circumstance. It grows through all sorts. There will be moments in your life where I know I've done this, God, I can't handle this anymore. You have to stop and you know what, God, He doesn't stop. He just keeps going until I get to this place. It's almost like Job, though he slay me, I'll still Follow him and then God restores back to Job everything that he lost and more because there's something that happens when we get to a place where it says, do not fear, God is with me, God is with me and in following him, our faith grows, following him through all that stuff and fearing not and enables me not to be afraid because the I am is with me. Now, I want you to remember Don't beat yourself up about this if you're not there yet. Because remember, the disciples didn't get there until right at the end. The disciples didn't get any of this. Because remember, Jesus, what did Jesus say? How long must I put up with you, you unbelieving generation? Jesus was constantly having to go at them about their lack of faith and their lack of belief and their lack of this and their lack of that. He'd say things like, Do you still not believe? And I can just imagine the disciples going, We're trying but it's really hard to believe when you're in a sinking ship. It's really hard to believe when the boat's sinking. It's really hard to have a fear not when when it feels like you've been overwhelmed. And Jesus would say, why are you so afraid? And the reason is this, is because we're just not quite there yet. We're just not quite confident in him yet as the one who holds the destiny of our soul we're still focused on the things and the people that can kill the body instead of understanding the one who holds our soul and so Jesus says to them just keep following me just follow me and in following me you'll get to the same place as you and I follow him and trust him we will get to the same place as the apostle paul where we know all things, work together for good, for those who love God and accord, according to his purpose. And so in the midst of all this stuff, Jesus says, follow me. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. You know, we are to Queenstown for a holiday a couple of years ago now. And uh, we're doing the luge, because I love the luge. Madison and I bungee jumped, or no, Madison bungee jumped, I bungee fell off the edge. But there's no way Seth was going to bungee jump. He was just like, nah, I'm too freaked out about that. And he was even a little bit concerned about going down on, on the luge. And the only way that I could convince him was, son, it's okay, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'll be right behind you. I'm not gonna pass you. I'm gonna stay right with you all the way to the bottom. You don't need to fear. Dad's with you. Dad's with you. Dad's with you. You don't need to fear because Daddy's with you. Abba Father is with you. You don't need to fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sour mind. You see the goal of Jesus and following Jesus. yeah, you'll become a better person. That's a byproduct. You'll get to heaven, that's a byproduct. God will step into your world when you have problems. That's a byproduct. But the goal, the goal of Jesus: do, not fear. Aren't you way more important than the sparrows? You're created in His image. And even though the world and people may throw all sorts of things at you, they can't touch the soul because the soul is held in the hands of my dad. And he is with me. And I do not need to be afraid. And so this morning, why don't you just all close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment. So I just think there are people in this place